Welcome to Design Thinking Games, a fantasy and user experience podcast. Each episode, your podcast hosts, Tim Broadwater and Michael Schofield, will examine the player experience of board games, pen and paper role-playing games, live action games, mobile games, and video games. You can find every episode, including this one, on your podcatcher of choice and on the web at designthinkinggames.com. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you at patreon.com slash designthinkinggames. It is Halloween 2021. Mm-hmm. Our podcast, Design Thinking Games, does skew very... Um, we are definitely gamers and user experiencers who like horror. We like mystery. We like phantasmagoria. That's definitely apparent from our season one. And one of the things we talked about doing um, is for Halloween playing and checking out the new game House of Ashes, the Dark Picture Anthology's third out of four um, games for season one. And so I guess the first question is, is... How many people of your five main characters survive? I got through with three. Uh, I had three survivors. We should preface this just for folks who don't know is that, okay, so like uh, there is a series made by um, uh, a variety of people, but namely Supermassive. Uh, Supermassive Games? Is that is, Supermassive is the, is the studio called the dark pictures anthologies they now have Mm -hmm. three of them and they have promised four for what they're calling their first season these are supermassive got famous or got lauded for um their until dawn game uh which was a playstation exclusive and did they make until dawn because i wasn't aware of that yeah yeah i love until dawn that's why i love this uh you know kind of genre of like watching a horror movie that's what it is right it's a choose your own adventure with quick time actions right and so you know telltale got pretty um popular about this for a little bit but super massive games is games (laughs) um did it right right whereas telltale Mm -hmm. is pretty buggy in certain cases you know for the most part these are really well put together narratives that have really interesting branches so they have three games out they just released a house of ashes and i think the trailer has been out for it for a year because what they've been doing and what i kind of like is that when you beat one game the reward for beating the game is it unlocks the trailer for the next kind of book and so you don't really know until you beat the game I mean, you could kind of check online after the game comes out, um, but it's kind of that nice piece where, like, where is it going next? Um, and so a year ago, when uh, if you beat Little Hope, um, which is the small kind of um, Salem's Lot kind of witch village kind of one, when you beat that, you got a trailer at the end for House of Ashes, which is... I believe set in Desert Storm, right? And no, like, it's uh, I. It's 2003. This is post 9/11. This is the uh, invasion of Iraq. Um, so yeah, so so House of Ashes is set. You you, you play um, a number of participants, uh, mostly Marines. There's a CIA operator, and there's also you also get to play um, a one of the Iraqi Republican Guard um there um that's taking place after 
Uh, after the fateful announcement where George Bush announced mission accomplished, there's even a newspaper lying around where you can see that as like the front page. Uh-huh. So Saddam has fallen and it's almost the immediate aftermath of that when um, go figure, they're still looking for chemical weapons um, and weapons of mass destruction. And the entire premise is that, hey, uh, satellite imagery has shown that there is an underground facility out here in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of mm-hmm. uh, next to what they call, I think, like the Zagros, the Zagros Mountains. And you are part of, or the people you play are going to investigate it. Yeah, and I think the other thing is it's so fresh that that the war being fresh or Saddam, all of that's so fresh that even members of um, the Iraqi military, right? They're not. Yeah, no surrender has de- been declared. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so that's the environment like you're going into, and um, and if you're familiar with the other games. Um, it just kind of, it's layers of an onion, right? Um, so you just kind of constantly are peeling back and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And if you've played Man of Madon or Little Hope, it starts out as like this one thing that you think you know what's going on. And then it kind of goes into like, oh, it expands. Like what you think is happening in the beginning where you're just exploring like your, what you say, Marines, and that you're exploring a potential weapon site mm-hmm. of... Um, turns into like, oh, this is um, not a weapon site. And then when you think that's going on, that you've encountered, let's say, an, an ancient temple or something of that nature that's been buried, then it turns out that that's not what's going on. And then when you kind of go down that rabbit hole, it, it again is like, no, you have no idea what's going on. And I think what I like, I did horrible. You've played all three games, and I think yeah. I've played all three as well. I did so horrible in the first one that, you know, this is now three years old, that you were in Man of Madon and I didn't, I ended the first time I played it so prematurely that you can end the game prematurely and lose a lot of your characters and not really uncover what the full story is. And and that's common. That's a very common experience. Um, and so you may not get to the full truth and then... The other thing is the curator, right? Yeah. So the curator is this kind of like Call of Cthulhu, like keeper character who there's there's not really any kind of like a narrative sandwich here where for whatever reason you are part, you, you are helping the curator flesh out these tales (laughs) <laughs> and he's kind of judging you, but then also prying you and it's then weird. also in some points giving you hints. There's something sort of like supernatural about it, right? Because you you mm-hmm. you are not really the characters in the stories you're telling. You are choosing their fates. You you are that meta, you are that player, and the curator mm-hmm. is some sort of I don't know. I think it definitely I, treats you like a reader or like a gamer. Yeah. Like if there's that acknowledgement of the fourth wall. That it's like, oh, you he he will say comments like if someone dies accidentally or you make a wrong choice, he will call out your choice yeah. and why you let that person kill them. So the the tense is not of the character, it's actually 
um, you're outside of it. And he acknowledges that omniscient kind of fourth wall. I think that's a really, I think that's a great way to put it. This, uh, this, uh, this kind of like fourth wall framing is provides like a really interesting dynamic. Cause you're right. The curator judges you. Um, it's like you made a bad choice and some, and one of the characters dies and he kind of tisks you, um, could it have gone another way? He, he begs that question and you know, it could have, you could have made a different choice. Um, yeah, so there's another mechanic that's similar to this. I don't know if you've ever have you've played some of the Silent Hill games, right? Yeah. So there's one Silent Hill Shattered Memories. I don't know if you've played that, no, one. I never played that one. But the whole thing keeps Yeah, so it, every so often you cut back to like you are obviously sitting in um it could even be like an LA noir thing. Like you're telling you're in the with a police or a homicide detective and you're t- recounting what happens and then it keeps cutting back to that. Um, but in Shattered Memories, you're with a therapist and you're kind of telling them what you experienced in Silent Hill. And they're like, well, why did you do that? Or why did you go there? Or why did... And so there was this... So having this kind of outside character that frames this horrible experience that you're going through and this phantasmagoria, like mystery kind of intense horrific experience um it's nothing new but what i will say about the curator is i uh i think that they are pretty hard on the nose Mm. hitting that he is death maybe Um, oh i don't know i didn't get any of that every uh, time the lightning flashes you he's got the skull overlay or you see the skull behind the face right really every time every time the lightning flashes wow i never noticed the skull behind him and then the intro music for all three games is the old mountain music, um, I Am Death. And it, but they've turned it into a rock kind of thing. Yeah. And then when the credits roll at the end, it's I Am Death, but it's like a punk thing or it changes flavor. But the song is still I Am Death. Um, and so huh. and he always takes this kind of posturing to where... You know, he's kind of intrigued and judging at what you're doing, but then also maybe will help you. But uh, that he is outside the story. He cannot interfere. And he is just the curator or the chronicler. Wow. You never got that impression? No, in or? three games now. I, that never dawned on me. I, I thought you never if, saw the skull. No. So, like, I thought of him more as, like, a, like a Sandman comic book-like character where um, – you know, <laughs> where I guess death is literally a character in the Sandman as well. But I think of him as sort of like the librarian or the keeper, like a, like a proper chronicler. I like that his there, there's some sort of like thing where he expresses that you, the player, are the choice maker. He is not. There are rules that he must adhere to, and he is not allowed to interfere. But occasionally, he will bend those rules to offer a little bit of help, a little bit of guidance, but in general, like he's a deity or something. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I mean like, you know, and if he, if he, he's not the rule maker, he is bound by some other rules. What I think it really does is kind of interesting because there's a layer, like there, there are different layers of agency. Whereas, you know, these, these characters are so well defined that they are, they have their own choices. They have their own personality makeup. They have um, a, a sense of their own direction, their own agency. But the reality is, as a player, you are making these choices for them. 
or mm-hmm. you are you are making the choices for a some other unspoken unnamed character who is also making choices for them and you are part of some like larger framework with a curator of which there are rules and you know the choices that you actually get are quite limited they're only like go left go right do this don't do that and there's this whole um i don't know you could probably like deconstruct this entire dark anthology series as uh, something uh, some sort of like a message about how little control you actually have in any given situation someone's mm-hmm. already making the choice for you or the path is largely laid out before you um yeah i guess i've always interpreted it that way because you know anytime that you visit him or cut to him or begin with him or end with him in his library where he has all of the the books about what's happened and 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 is interacting with you, it is always storming outside. And every time it cracks the lightning, you see the skull behind his face. Every single time in all three games, right? And then the logo for the Dark Picture anthologies is a skull um, that has, you know, it changes the overlaid image each time for, you know, Man of Modan or Little Hope or House of Ashes, and then also for the one they show at the end, which is the Death Will Inside, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm. <laughs> I mean, it, now that you say it out loud, this totally makes sense, right? <laughs> like, you're, well, no, I, I also think I know what you're talking about with Sandman. So he does seem like okay, he's the deity as well as a curator, and you get appearances behind that he is he is death, you know, and that's how I've taken it. Um, and you can find pictures online where it actually has the skull flash lightning kind of overlay. Um, and it's, it's happened in all the games. So, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go back and like, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to find, I'm sure there's like a YouTube cut of like all the, who is the curator kind of, um, <laughs> uh, conspiracy theory. Um, because now it's super interesting, but I love the framing and I love, and I love the idea that, um, it's ultimately like you know th- these characters are hopeless because no choice they make is is their own yeah and all of the tales it doesn't matter you know there's only three out now but they're all tragic there's all of them have death like in the fur in the second game there's so much death in the beginning that i mean it just sets the pace of like there's no way that you can save the people in the beginning you know and it's the same thing here like your whole team who goes in and everyone you know maybe there's 10 or 12 people but five are really all you potentially can save and to and to your point like you save three i only save two um, and mine came down to where, like, I thought it was doing really well. They were surviving longer. But then it was one of those gosh darn freaky horror. You know, what did you call it? It's like a like, skills. A quick time action? Like a jump scare? Yeah, like a quick time action jump scare or like a skill check kind of thing where you're yeah. running and you're trying to, you have to hit something at a certain time. <laughs> and you're literally like, oh, no, I was scratching my face or I went, I was reaching for like my drink. Or yeah, like, and you you're know, dead. I was eating a chip <laughs> and, and, you're, and they're dead now. And so it's like, oh, so it does keep you so at the edge of your seat. And it, we've talked about this before about in the horror mechanics method. Like you cannot run in the game. No. You have to walk through everything. So it makes you, it forces you to experience it. It forces you to pay attention. And, and all it takes is one second and you could, and everything could change. The, the biggest thing I clocked here was that like this felt like Resident Evil controls because you're over the shoulder 
or a little bit behind. You're piloting the the character. You're slow. Um, it's dark. You um, enclosed, tight enclosed tight spaces. Enclosed. Yeah. And so sometimes the camera is actually really quite difficult to control. Um, and, you know, we, we've talked in the past about like, well, you know, in another circumstance, these could be pretty annoying controls. But in this case, they force you to pay very careful attention pan the camera very deliberately right um check your corners right because because oftentimes you're walking around in a cave with a flashlight so you know you're going bit by bit and it just forces you to take it at a certain pace so that they can so that ultimately the game can control the narrative and scare you or Mm -hmm. or hit you with a quick time action that you weren't prepared for um yeah i i think that totally contributes to um, the creep factor on it, but then you can't shoot. You're not like, like you can just unload. Yeah. In Resident yeah Evil. You, you can never really unload until it lets only you. Only if in. it gives you an option. Yeah. If you had to give this like a, like a rate, you, you recommend people like, uh, how did you like this compared I to the other? Say three? That I like the game series because I like, and I didn't know, or at least maybe I forgot that um, the same studio made before Dawn. Now, before Dawn, or until Dawn, right? Um, now, until Dawn takes about nine hours, eight to nine hours to play through it. And so it is doable in a day. But what I like, a movie is too short, right? A movie is like your hour and a half or two hour kind of movie. Um, but uh, I feel like they have this just right. Like they have this to where you are watching a mystery drama horror whatever action horror whatever but that's that's the genre right and they keep it to like roughly five to six hours the game will be over no matter what at the max of five to six hours like it could be definitely premature that i mean you can kill all the characters and be done much sooner (laughs) um but like whatever the ending is whatever you've chosen whoever you've protected or you know or like whatever choices you've made or whatever paths or secrets you've uncovered it's set to that time so it's kind of like you are watching this scary horror drama movie and you are making choices and doing skill checks through it. And so it's, it is passive, but you are on the edge of your seat. And I, so I say like in general, if you like scary movies or you like survival horror, or you just like mystery books, I think this, these type of game, this game series is for you. And what I also like about it, and we've talked about this before, um, on social media is what's very popular in telenovela and soap operas and we're also seeing like in America a horror story is that you have characters coming back, real actors coming back every season, right? Who play just different characters, doing different things with different names. Um, and I, I strongly believe, now I can't say this for certain, but I strongly believe that is what the dark picture anthologies is doing with their character models. until you mentioned it in a tweet to me like i i think you're right i think the i think the 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 marine lieutenant you play whose name is jason his face looks like the the main um boy character boy like whose name whose name i forget um in little hope um who is ultimately responsible for you know the events of that series uh and who grows up to be that bus driver at the end their faces mm-hmm. look identical and i think rachel 
is um and that's also Joe from Man of Madon. Joe from Man of Madon is, is the exact right. same person you're describing. Yes. And so I love it. there are these um so I, I think that it's kind of a nod. Either they're trying to get away with it, but I don't think that's the case because I think gamers are smart and they know that. So I, I honestly think that they are kind of aligning themselves with this telenovela, soap opera, American horror story kind of thing to where we have, hey, we can use we can use the same actors, yeah. but it's the models, right? But we can change the voices and change their personalities because a lot of people, I think, are making these connections between, you know, the main character in House of Ashes and Joe from Man of Madon, mm-hmm. or the the girlfriend or the scientist, you know, the girlfriend from, you know, Little Hope or the scientist from House of Ashes. I mean, they're the same kind of thing. So I, I find that that's kind of, that's cool. That's interesting. And that what keeps people in the series. And when you beat... Each one, like we said, it shows you the trailer for the next one. So that's kind of the cliffhanger. Within a year, it's going to come out. I don't know when the next one's going to come out, which is The Devil Inside. But uh, I feel like that's the appeal. Like, it's like, I'll come back to... It's like Jessica Lang, like, for yeah. American Horror Story. Like, people will keep coming back if they keep using Jessica Lang or, or Lady Gaga or... You know, yeah, Angela Bassett or whoever. It, you know. It's a really interesting mechanic, right? That um, I can't think of. I guess they did do that with telenovelas. Um, the you know, I think of it as an American horror story trope, um, and it's really neat to see that applied to a game. I can't think of anyone who's done that. And I also would hazard to guess, although I'm I'm happy to be wrong, that it has no bearing on the narrative. I have this like uh, like high level theory. That's only like that. I only ten percent buy myself, but I think there's a potential here. We're like, oh my gosh, like all of these characters are all the same, yeah. like reincarnations, like something like well, that. Well, if the curator's the same yeah. and you're the same, and then when you're in the curator's library mm-hmm. and he has four books there that all have these golden symbols on them, mm-hmm. and one is of a boat, and one is of a little doll, and one is of a you know that it keeps you wondering like how are these four related and why are they encapsulated in a series and then you know and then this is not and i don't think this is a stretch by any way because if you look at the characters of house of ashes um who was um who was rachel not her husband but the one that she was in a relationship with nick uh sergeant nick nick literally literally is the same face of Alex from, uh, you know, the first game, Man of Madon. Like, oh, literally, it is. it's the same yeah. face. And Alex being the kind of, like, nerdy character who went along with his brother on the boat, right? Yeah, but in this yeah. one, he's a Marine, a Marine who's who, been through some trauma. Who, and then yeah. is exactly. And so, dude, it has to be there. They have to be building up to something. And the fan geek, the fanboy in me is, like, geeking out yeah. because it's like, what is... And then when they also, the big drama bomb that they also dropped at the end was not just, you know, the the trailer for the next game, but then also um, series, like season one. It's like, what? Right. So so that actually season one does put parentheses around the first four, right? Exactly. And then promises that there will be something different coming. Like, after season like how strange, right? Especially because these are about like a year apart, right? They take a while to come out. And, um, and. 
I've never considered them as part of a singular whole. I guess I guess when you think about it, it makes sense because these are part. This is an anthology series, but um, I never thought of them as part of like a singular tale until they're like, bam! Uh, the next episode being or the next the next game is like the devil within i think um does that sound right or the devil inside the devil or something, inside or something like that yeah and like you know the season one finale and i'm like whoa okay so now i you have to kind of like think back on the three games that you have just finished as some part of whole one thing i wanted to point out that really struck me is that house of ashes to me was the least scary of the two and there but but there's a framing that is true about man of madon let me ask of the three which one was the scariest for you i think maybe um little hope was the scariest um for it me. was for me yeah i agree with you I th- it was creepy those ghosts were super for creepy. real man um well and, and even in man of madon like the ghosts are are creepy as well right you can only if you prematurely end the game, you're left with like, oh, this is what I think is going on. And this is what I meant by the onion peeling back like the layers. Yeah. But if you make it through the game, you will see what's going on. And you can never really replay it. I mean, it's really, I mean, not to get, the story will not have the same impact, right? Like the onion story, like as a metaphor, is like the first one, you're like, oh, we're going to go explore this abandoned ship we can get it for treasure and then you're like oh it's haunted and then you find out something else is going on behind it explains it but at some point you may not even make it to the haunted ship you could die before you even get there right and then you could also die when you and you're like oh my god i got killed by ghosts because the ship is haunted and then you don't realize oh what's really you know the the story behind it that happened to me right now the second game same thing you're like i'm going to this witchy cursed town (laughs) it's like salem lot and then you kind of find out after a while it's like oh wait i'm kind of getting the feeling that why are these ghosts specifically like the vices of these people and then you kind of figure out like oh this is not happening at all what's (laughs) happening is actually this same thing for you know kind of um house of ashes wait wait like have you gone and looked at the other endings because i haven't but i didn't get the sense that there was one of those things where like in house of ashes i get the sense that like what what you think is happening is really happening. No, it's it's just like how far you get. Gotcha. Because what I'm saying about the onion metaphor, and, I, and it's horrible, and I keep saying onion, but what it is, if they constructed the story in such a way that it functions layer by layer mm-hmm. to a core. So if you don't make it, like in House of Ashes, I mean, I will say uh, Manamadon has been out for 2019 since 2019 so no really spoilers there but the thing is is like you can die before you even get to the ship so it's just like oh it's a bunch of kids partying and they have like a diving accident and it's over wait there's an ending where that that's is that early (laughs) yeah well no it's not like an ending you think of endings this is the thing this is where you all die yeah this is like what I was saying about the UX here Amazing. is of, of a pick-a-path story, like a choose-your-own-adventure book. And if the listeners at home probably know what those are, but they have they had pick-a-path as a name brand or choose-your-own-adventures as a name brand. But essentially, it's this book that 
Um, for those who don't know it, you start reading at page one, and then it says like, hey, make this choice. And if you make this choice, go to page 42. If you made this one, go to page 387. And then you kind of keep jumping. So you're just kind of, you start out all the same. You start out at the base of the tree, right? When we say this kind of tree, kind of um, uh, pick a path kind of narrative system. So they've constructed, so it's it's better probably as a tree than an onion, because I think of it more as like layers, right? Mm -hmm. But at any point in that story um, of Man of Dawn, um, if all of your characters die, um, or you come to a halting stop for whatever reason, and maybe some characters survive. You don't. You didn't go to the full out extent branches of the tree, and you don't really know what all all possible. That's given with pick a path stories because you can't figure out like, oh, I didn't even interact with the dragon, or I didn't even see the knight, or I didn't go into the maze, you know. But with these, it is you do. You have to make it through, and part of the mechanics of these dark anthology games is finding they have these little pictures that are you know spread out through the game or tablets or artifacts or objects or whatever but they actually show you a potential future you have a premonition and then when you do that it creates like a branch and then that lets you mitigate um and stop now if you didn't find that picture that branch end would be your end um or you wouldn't know it was coming and that and that and that could have been your end but you kind of have to, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but but I, I feel like those games are structured in such a way to where you are trying to find all those pictures, to 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 try to mitigate all of the potential uh, premature endings or short endings, so you can make it through the longest tree out to the tiniest branch, and that is what you find out like at the very end. That's the only way that you will find your survival. And mitigating those and navigating these branches or tree system is the only way you'll find out what's really, really, really going on. Because if you do not, you think you're just a bunch of kids who died, um, like partying on a boat. Or you encountered a ship and were killed by pirates. Or you encountered the ships, you got away from the pirates, but you did not, you, the, the ship was haunted. Or, you know, and so on and so on. It really is a masterclass of game design you can tell that they play tested the shit out of this the timing the feel the unraveling stories the way that house of ash how the way that house of ashes literally is about descending through layers and the story gets weirder and weirder and first it's got very big exorcist vibes with like pazuzu the demon right um uh, which isn't a spoiler because i think that's literally like the uh <laughs> like one of the symbols on the um uh, in the like the trailers or whatever, and it continues to go back, and you're just digging through history and history. The the weirdness like un unravels in such like a impressive way. I feel like there's also this. There are these weird kind of nods and connections that are actually in like um, American Horror yeah. Story, right? That are like, oh wait, Freak Show's connected to Asylum and we now know that because we saw Freak Show which happened two seasons after Asylum and the character from Freak Show was in Asylum, right? right? And then we found out later that, oh, Hotel is connected to Coven because they actually go to it in Coven. Well, and even that I mean? like post-apocalyptic one is connected to Coven as well. 
Yeah, and so it's it's these little pieces that are put together. But the thing about these games are, like, if you didn't see that stuff, pay attention, or choose the right pass, you probably didn't get the connections what to a, make What, them, what a right? design choice, man. That, that just makes the replayability... Again, it's just it's a, it's narrative layering that is um, impressive. Like, it's just impressive. Very impressive. We put a lot of work into design thinking games, so if you like what we do and want to help us cover some costs, then consider supporting us at patreon.com slash design thinking games. We also are design thinking games on TikTok, Twitch, and Twitter. Thank you for listening to the Design Thinking Games podcast. To connect with your hosts, Michael or Tim, please go to designthinkinggames.com where you can request topics, ask questions, or see what else is going on. Until next time, game on.